Um, today's reading is Mark 12, verses 38 to 44, and can be found in the Red Bibles on page 1018. <clears throat> As he taught, Jesus said, watch out for the teachers of the law. They're, they like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished severe, most severely. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting, money, putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich, threw, many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few pence. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything. All that she had to, all she had to live on. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hi, folks. Um, we're going to take a look at that uh, passage in a moment. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful to Jess for um, coming to talk to us um, initially about where things are at and kind of the situation that we're um, in. If you've been around the uh, the block a while or no churches um, for a while. Often uh, when we do these kind of things, you, you'll have found yourself sort of sitting waiting, thinking, I know there's some news coming at some point. Um, that's why I asked Jez if he might uh, speak to us early on uh, so that you know, um, rather than you're just kind of waiting, thinking, oh, somebody's going to get up and say something. Um, but it does mean I'm aware that then it might be that you kind of think, well, I know what Paul's going to talk about now. I can see this coming like a train down the track. I know this is, is going to be a talk on giving. So, you know, I'm uh, you may be thinking, well, I'm going to switch off at that point because I know, I know what's happening. Um, or maybe you're thinking, well, I hadn't realized I was going to get 20 minutes just to tune out. So that's quite nice. Um, so if that was you and you, know, you can enjoy that thing. So why, why might it still be worth listening to, um, uh, to what, what I've got to say and what we, we have read? Even if you might want to switch off, you might still want to wonder this or, or kind of think about this. This um, uh, little episode comes at the end of Mark chapter 12. Jesus has been talking, he's been in the temple uh, sort of area and talking and debating with a number of different uh, groups and individuals and people, um, a number of opponents, uh, those um, who were pretty skeptical about him actually or disagreed with him quite fundamentally, those who were skeptical, doubters, opponents, and he's been in debate with them about all sorts of different issues, um, some of them political, some of them to do with uh, uh, um, sort of, I guess, spiritual um, dimensions. It's almost like he's been, he was on an episode of BBC's Question Time. Uh, imagine Jesus uh, kind of joining the panel of Question Time and answering whatever the questions were that came at him. So it's almost like he's been doing that. Um, and he's been debating with them. And the question, I think the thing that it's worth your time, you know, whether you call yourself a Christian or not, why, why would Jesus end that sequence by pointing out this widow and talking about her giving. Why would, would he do that? And I think that's worth your time and attention this morning, just for a few minutes. Um, even if you're thinking, well, you know, 
Here goes another talk from the, the vicar on, on giving. Um, really because what Jesus has been trying to get at through these debates and through this whole chapter is really, it's a much deeper thing. It's what makes for true spirituality. What makes for real, authentic engagement with God? What makes for honest, heartfelt following of God's? What makes for true spirituality? That's the kind of thing he's been debating with people, many of whom have totally disagreed with him and really thought he was on the wrong track. Uh, and some individuals who really sort of rubbed up against him hard and thought, oh, I don't, I don't like the way you're putting that. He's kind of been saying, what makes for true spirituality? And so when we get to this, this uh, situation, the widow is a kind of climax of what he's been saying. And so it's worth our time, I think. It means that this talk is sponsored by Princess Leia. Um, and uh, a sort of famous uh, um, a quote of hers from an early Star Wars movie. Many of you would have been children or not even born. Um, Princess Leia famously said to Han Solo, who's a bit of a sort of bandit figure, if money is all that you love, then that's what you'll receive. And what she was getting at is, you know, what, really, if, if that's what's going on in your heart, underneath, if that's what you're really about, then that's all you'll get out of life. Um, so this sermon is brought to you by Princess Leia, and uh, <laughs> we're going to think about two things. We're going to think, um, think about pretend generosity, and really asking, why is it actually that we're not open to God? Pretend generosity, why aren't we open to God? And then we're going to think about true generosity, and we're going to think about how you become open to God. Pretend generosity, why are we not open to God? True generosity, how do you become open to God. That's what we're going to think about. So there are two groups that are set in contrast um, in this little bit that ends uh, chapter 12. Jesus, as I say, has been having these debates. He then uh, says, as he talks, uh, verse 38, watch out for the teachers of, teachers of the law. So that's the first group, the teachers of the law. Watch out for the teachers, teachers of the law. They walk, like to walk around in flowing robes, and they like to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces, and have the most important seats in the synagogues, and the places of honor at banquets, they devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. So this is a group that the religious uh, people, the religious uh, uh, elites of the day, um, they like uh, these kind of, they like these sort of outward shows of uh, status and respect. They like these kind of long robes that they would have worn. Um, I'm very conscious that as a vicar, there are times when I do actually wear quite, quite long robes. So there's a little bit of an irony in me standing here talking about um, uh, uh, these, these guys. Um, uh, if ever you've seen me in them, uh, you'll know what they look like. If you don't, you have to imagine. But uh, there are times, so I, you know, I tread carefully here. But they, they like this kind of outward show of things. So they like the kind of high status. They like the best seats. They like the... Um, uh, they like to, to give lengthy prayers. So they like to appear as though they were very religious, like they had a spiritual commitment. They like to appear that they, there was a sort of outward. By contrast, we have the widows. And the widows are actually mentioned here because they, we're told, devour widows' houses. So there's a, some uh, way in which they were preying on uh, widows. Now, widows, by contrast, were the, honestly, they were the, amongst the most vulnerable um, people that were in the culture of the day. Um, if you became a widow, you were suddenly plunged into a very precarious situation. Um, suddenly the means by which you had to um, 
uh, to be supported, to have money, um, and so on. It wasn't straightforward. So in the culture of the time, widows, and in the Old Testament, um, they're frequently, there are warnings against exploiting widows. God identifies himself with the widows and the poor. There is a, a, there's a, a kind of a, a, a close connection between the Lord's and widows in, uh, throughout the scriptures. And so you've got this contrast between the kind of those who are religious and like to make an outward show of their religiosity, and you've got the very vulnerable uh, widows, the, the, the poor, those who are, are not in a position to sort of you know, have that kind of status. And that's the kind of contrast um, that he's setting up. But then, with Jesus, we, we, um, we sit down, because uh, Jesus sits down, verse 41, and you have to imagine that... Uh, I don't know whether there was a bench or something that perhaps he just, he sat down with his uh, disciples and they, they just kind of, do you ever sort of sit down in a park and just people watch, just see what's going on and kind of work out, try and work out what kind of people there are and what they're doing and that sort of thing. Jesus seems to be doing that. So you picture the scene, he's kind of sat down, looking out uh, and sees these different groups coming in. And it's a, um, in the temple area, it was called the Court of Women. It was a, an area where there would be a mixture of different people. And what happens? Well, Jesus sits down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few pence. Um, the, the temple area, um, it's uh, believed that there were about 13 sort of vessels, receptors, receptacles uh, to collect money. Um, somebody has come up with a, a sort of uh, an idea of what they might have looked like. They were trumpet-shaped. Um, so I think we've got a picture here. Um, they were trumpet-shaped. And um, if you can imagine, they sort of dotted around quite exactly how they worked. Y- you bring in your bag of coins. And, of course, you, it's wider at the top. You throw them in. And you can imagine, if you bring in a decent bag of coins, as you throw that in, that's going to clatter and make a... It's going to be a very satisfying sound, isn't it? Have you ever gone to the supermarket where... Um, they have those machines where if you want to bring in your, like, your 1s and 2p coins and you pour them in, it'll then you can get like, notes at the end of it. Do you, do, you ever, do you ever do that? Yeah. If you're ever in a supermarket and somebody is doing that, it's almost impossible not to sort of hear it and think, oh, have they got lots? You know, you're putting 1 and 2p coins in. You hear this kind of clattering noise. It's a very satisfying sound. And you kind of think, oh, I wonder how much they're getting, wherever you are in the supermarket. There's one in Sainsbury's down the road. So you imagine they come in and they're doing that. Uh, the widow, by contrast, comes in with two very small coins. Again, uh, somebody trying to just sort of give you a scale there uh, of how small they were. They were called lepta, two lepta. They really would have bought like a handful of flour or a very basic meal, maybe less even than the sort of McDonald's savour menu. I don't know quite. You know, just something very, very limited, very small. But she comes in with those two copper coins. And, and she puts them into the, uh, those kind of trumpet uh, receptacles. Now, like, with the best will in the world, you're not going to get much noise out of that, are you? The, w- the widow comes in. It's going to be fairly meager as it goes in. Jesus is watching this uh, and seeing it play out. And calling his disciples to him, verse 43, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Um, She's given more. Jesus says, "These, these rich folk who come in, they've given less. 
Now, which is hard, in, in, you know, if you're sitting with him, they've come in with their bags of coins and, cash, and, and you, you poured it in and it's made a very loud clattering noise and it sounds, you know, it, it, it must have seemed impressive. And he says they've given less. Now, why have they given less? Because they've given what's spare from their wealth. They gave out of their wealth. They've given what's spare from their wealth, what's left over from their wealth. When you've got loads, you can still bring in a decent bag of cash and you can pour it in, it makes a lovely noise, and you've still got a load left. Now, why is that so important? Why is Jesus uh, focused on this? When you give from your leftovers, when you give from your margin, when you give from the, what, you kind of, what you can spare, what do you keep? What do you keep? Well, if you're rich, you keep loads, don't you? You give out of your leftovers, your spare, and you're very rich, then actually you keep plenty. There's loads that you keep. But I don't know if that's just what Jesus is getting at. What else do you keep? What else do you keep? If you give out of your spare, if you give out of your, out of your leftovers, of your margin, what out, the other thing that you keep is you keep control. The thing that you keep is control over what you have and what you give. When you give out of your leftovers, when you give out of your spare, you keep control. And the money in this scene is a little bit of a, like a, a kind of picture for their lives. And it's, it ties in with everywhere he's kind of been debating with them, where he's saying, actually, so much of what's going on here isn't, isn't about this presenting issue or that presenting issue. It's about the control that you want to keep over your lives and that you don't want to give away. When you give out of your spare, when you give out of your leftovers, you keep control. Now, you can imagine how this play, it can play out in all sorts of different areas of life. And the, the, the money, the, the situation that they've got there is just kind of a, a, a vivid example of it. But you'd imagine, so we say to God, we kind of come and go, God, look, I'm a, uh, I'm a religious person, I'm a moral person, so I'm very happy to give you uh, my kind of commitment to uh, upholding family life. Yeah, very important. Um, that's, that's spare, that's leftover, that's margin. I'm very happy for that. But don't touch my personal wealth. That's not yours. I'll give you what's out of my... I've got room for that. I'm a very moral person. I'll I'll happily uphold family life. But don't touch my personal wealth. Don't touch my investments. Those are mine. Or you may say, well, look, I'm somebody who looks out of the world and I see a lot of issues in the world. And I think there's a lot that's wrong in the world. um, And I'm... I'm, God, I I see that and I'm, I'm, I'm... very committed to social justice, and very committed to making sure some of these things change in the world, because that's really important. And God, that is, that's spare, that's leftover, that's margin. We can work on that together, but don't touch my children's education. Don't touch my house price. That's not yours. I'm very happy to work with you with what's spare, what's margin, but don't touch these things. I'm not willing to give up control over those. You see, he's got, there's something, there's a deeper thing that's going on. There's a spirituality, there's a, there's a, what does it mean to authentically believe, to follow? You can see, how, and I often think that, and you, know, you may be somebody here who, 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 I don't know, perhaps would say, I don't know quite where I stand with Christianity. And often I think we can think to ourselves that the reason we don't want to engage with God is kind of intellectual. It's in our minds. I, I, I don't want to engage with God because I don't believe if, do I believe he exists? Do I believe you could, you know, you could trust what the Bible says? Intellectually, 
the Catholic, the reason I'm not sure I, 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 I want to engage with God is because it's intellectual, it's in my mind, but actually, I suspect more often than not that the reason we don't want to engage with God is because we don't want to give up control. I don't really want God, you, to have access and start demanding things of my life. That's mine. That's off limits. I'll work with the margin. I'll work with the leftovers. I'll work with the spare. That's fine, but you don't touch this. And I don't want to give up control of that. And I wonder if that's sometimes the reason why we really don't want to engage with God. And I think we have to face something. Um, we're in Manchester. People in Manchester, we love our autonomy. We love our freedom. We do not like people telling us what to do. And I think we have to accept there's a, there's a spirit in Manchester. We don't like it when people tell us how to live and what to do. There's a kind of we do things our own way here. And if we're honest, there's a, there's a, there's a thing that we, we just we don't want to be told. We like control over things. And when, you, when we're in our city here, when we meet people ourselves, actually, we like to run the things ourselves. Pretend generosity. Why, why is it we're not really open to God's? Because we don't want to give up control. True generosity. So how, how do you become truly open to God's? So the widow. Uh, Jesus praises her, commends her. She's kind of gone down in history as a great example. She gave. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. So the, um, the phrase underneath that is translated is, is her whole life she put in. Her whole life. Uh, there she was bringing the, the, the last of what she had, the, the little that she had, and it meant everything. It, it would cost her. So, you know, when the rich come, when you give out of your margin, when you give out of what uh, your leftovers, when you bring, even when you bring your big bag of cash in and you pour it down the trumpet, uh, when the rich gave, were they eating any less? No. When the rich came and gave that way, were they dressing any, uh, any less fancily? No. When, uh, when they, they came and gave in that way, do you think they were holidaying any less? No. But when she comes and she gives, she's giving everything. She's not going to be able to do that. And do you see what Jesus is trying to get at? I think is it's, not, it's not about how much you give. It's about how much you hold back. It's not about how much you give. It's about how much you hold back. Now, in a in a cost-of-living crisis, in the economic climates that, uh, that we're in, it's an ex- it is an extraordinary example, isn't it? Because you might think, well, to be honest, it's wildly unrealistic. And I can imagine there were probably some uh, disciples who were sitting alongside Jesus, who were kind of going, look, have you, have you not seen the news, Jesus? Have you not read the, the economic uh, climate? It's a hopelessly unrealistic aim that you're putting out there. Jesus is saying, look, I guess when you have very little, as the widow does, even when you have very little, to give, even to give a small amount, that's an amazing thing, isn't it? She has been, she's gone down through history as an example of, of extraordinary generosity. Even when you have very, very little, to be able to give something is amazing. That kind of openness to God, that generosity of spirit, is actually about what is, it, what is it she brings? She really brings that kind of trust and says, look, I'm not, I'm not holding back, Lord. I am actually willing to trust you. 
It was a true generosity, a true openness uh, to her. But I think, you know, if we're honest, and I, I've thought about this, you know, we're not like that, are we? We're, you know, I can imagine his disciples would be a bit skeptical. We're not, we're not like that. And it is, in, in many ways, it's an impossible example, surely. We can't really be asked to do that. And I think it's part of, part of what we need to kind of engage with as, as Jesus has been debating these people. Actually, how do, you know, how do you have that kind of true generosity? How do you have that kind of true openness to God? Well, I think we have to, we have to realize that if, if the message was just, you know, go and be like the widow, like you'll last a few days, but, you know, no more than that. If we want to have that kind of engagement with God, how do you do that? I think we have to see the widow as Jesus saw her. And in fact, I think we have to see the widow perhaps almost as, a, uh, as Jesus saw, as a picture almost of what he himself was going to do. Um, if you imagine he's sitting there, the widow is actually the last person that we see in Mark's Gospel, kind of in this part, before we get to the passion narrative, before we get to the, the, um, uh, the, the events of, of Jesus going to the cross. She's the last person that um, Jesus kind of lands on before we get into that story. And he's sitting there in this temple area, and she is as much a picture of what he himself, Jesus, will do as she is an example of this kind of generosity. I wonder if just, do you think about Jesus sitting there watching her, um, in this kind of coming to the, to the temple area, I wonder if Jesus sat there, watched her and thought, in a few days' time, that is going to be me. She comes to the place of sacrifice and she gives absolutely everything she has. And I wonder if he sat there and watched her and thought, in a few days' time, that will be me. I will come and I will give of myself entirely. I will empty myself out for humanity. I'm going to, I, I'm going to pour myself out in the way that she has. I wonder if Jesus looked at her and thought, that's going to be me. And I think it's when only when we see Jesus' generosity to us. Only when we sense actually the, the, the extravagance of his generosity for you and me, that it will begin to, it begins to kind of melt, soften, melt, warm your heart. I think if you just say, go and be like the widow, you'll try it and, you know, it'll, it'll break you and then you'll become bitter. But when you see actually, you know, Jesus must have looked at her and thought, what she is going to do, I will do, ultimately. I will stretch myself out. I'll be poured out for humanity. I will give every last thing that I have. And when that happens, as our, as our hearts are softened, as they're warmed, as they begin to melt, actually, it's that that I think begins to sort of prize our fingers off the things that we desperately want control over. It has all sorts of... Uh, implications. It's that that just sort of starts to prise the fingers off the things that we desperately want to keep control over in our families, our, our, our commitments, our time, our holidays, our children, our money, all those things included. But until we sense actually the depth of what Jesus poured out for us, it's that that starts to release us. You prize the fingers off. It's a lifetime of working through it. I think, you know, the fingers come off one by one over time. But actually saying, God, I think I could be open to you in that way. 
Um, we talked about where we are as a church. Jez has mentioned that letters uh, that are worth just praying over, taking away, pondering. But that's, that's not the main thing that Jesus is getting at here. He's kind of saying, look, do we, he debated this, like, do you know what it is to really be openly engaged with God? And I think until we see and sense what Jesus has done for us, we won't then begin to sort of think, okay, Lord, if you've done that much for me, could, could this small thing be for you that I have? I'm going to give us a couple of minutes, just to, or a minute just to reflect, and then I'll pray. Okay. Gracious Father, you are always giving and forgiving. And we are always getting and forgetting. And Father, we just pray that you would stir our hearts. We'd be reminded afresh of your goodness to us and your son. It would move and melt and soften our hearts. That it would just, whatever areas of life, Lord, that we cling desperately to control over, you would just begin to prize our fingers from them. And Lord, so many aspects of life, Lord, that we would be open to what you are doing in us. Uh, We would want to draw close to you. We wouldn't be afraid to do that. And it would just uh, open us up, Lord, to how you are working in us. Lord, might it be for, uh, for your glory here. Might it be for your work in us too. Amen.